Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's episode 22 of the Daily Intermission. I am joined by my co-host, Nate. Nate, what is up, my man? Not much, buddy. Just uh, just waiting for some golf to heat up here today. Trying to win some money on some DK. Absolutely, yeah. DraftKings has been fire this week. They're at Pebble Beach uh, in the AT&T Pebble Beach Open. And we've got Jordan Spieth back, back-to-back weeks at the top of the leaderboard. Been pretty exciting. That guy's on a fucking tear. Did you see his, uh, his eagle yesterday? the whole out holy shit dude like oh he's buzzing you gotta figure he's gonna either win today and if not he's gonna win very 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 soon yeah i 100 agree uh you know for the people unfamiliar with golf uh jordan spieth is a three-time major champion the last time he won though was in 2017 at the open championship so it's been you know three full seasons on the pga tour without jordan spieth winning um you know just a He's a polarizing figure in the sport, but you know I'm a big fan of him, and and obviously he's got his game back, so it's uh, it's gonna be exciting to follow. And like you said, Nate, he's gonna win very soon. He has to. Um, my boy Lehman, Tommy Lehman. <laughs> I took Le- I took Tom Lehman in DraftKings. What is he? A hundred years old? <laughs> yeah, he was born in the fifties, nineteen fifties. Nate took a shot on him at almost the bare minimum he price. Was, he was doing okay for a bit. Like he was he was one under for a while, and then I'm assuming he's he didn't take his sleeping pills the other morning and. He kind of fell off, but you know, I had five out of six make the cut on my my DraftKings. Just just gonna continue on talking about my DraftKings here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I mean, who'd you pick on your DraftKings, Greg? Well, yeah, I, I took a veteran too, and Jimmy Furyk. Um, I took him too. Yeah, it's a weak field, um, but yeah, I think Jim Furyk is he, he's having a good tournament, and and Pebble Beach is just such an iconic course. It's almost embarrassing, you know how how fortunate the PGA Tour players are to have. They're, they're, most of them are sitting out Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach is probably the most iconic golf course in the United States to the public. And they're just sitting it out. They're like, yeah, we'll wait for the, the weeks to come. Jeez, I barely sit out like some shit course in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Like, Eagle Crest, we're going. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, if you need a fourth, I'll go. Like, <laughs> right. like Pebble, imagine just being like, ah, oh, you know what, boys, I'm going to chill this week. Yeah. Not, I, I, well, they probably played it like a ton of times for sure. But, I mean, jeez, man, like. Pebble Beach is disgusting. Yeah, they uh, they put the U.S. Open there uh, two summers ago uh, when Gary Woodland won, and uh, and they play obviously the AT and T uh, Pro Am there. And and I guess for you know uh, what probably factors into the decision, it's usually a Pro Am, so you have you know Steph Curry, you have all these these yeah. celebrities show up and they play the whole tournament with them. Aaron Rodgers, uh, Bill Murray's uh, you know a character that anyway. So those guys aren't there this week, and so it's kind of a different event. Um, but, uh, but next week, Nate, we've got the Genesis open, uh, at Riviera. It's kind of like the, the, the most marquee event to, uh, of the start of the golf season. It's like all the big guns are going to be there. We're talking Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, yeah. yes, Dustin Shambo, Sung J.M. Sung, <laughs> Sung J.M. Sung J.M. is my fucking boy. I love that kid. Yeah. I, I think mean, I've said that like every podcast when we talk about golf, but I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Sung J is Nate's boy. Uh, but next week's going to be a lot of fun. And, and obviously, Tiger, I think he's the head sponsor for the tournament, not playing, just had back surgery. So we'll have to wait on Tiger. Um, Is he going to be back for the Masters? I think so. But I, I think the biggest thing will be to get a tournament or two in yeah, before, before the Masters. Yeah, for sure. Because, um, I mean, if he returns after injury to the Masters, it's like, well, you're not betting on him. Well, you yeah. Know? But, I mean, at the same time, I may still bet on him. Yeah. Who, <laughs> who knows? Like, who knows? It's like the, it would be so Tiger to come in and be like, hasn't had a tournament before the Masters and then just fucking wins the Masters. <laughs> I know. So it's like, um, I don't know. 
but uh, but I guess just to kind of conclude the golf talk, man, Ricky Fowler has been struggling, and I don't like. I I watched him. He was playing with Jordan Spieth and the Canadian Nick Taylor on the first two days. He hosel shanked one into a pond on a par three, just completely off the hosel, like just dead right. And uh, anyway, he took a triple bogey on the hole, and just Ricky Fowler is really struggling. But uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of him this tournament. But it's tough, Nate. It's I almost took him in. I'm gonna bring it up again. DraftKings. You think we were sponsored here today? <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot of them. But I'm glad I didn't touch him. From what you're telling me right now, <laughs> <laughs> it's something we're gonna work into the segment moving forward. Is it's just kind of our DraftKings preview for various sports, just who we like this week. And, and if it's not on the podcast, we'll bring it up on our social media and we'll yeah. just post like three or four guys that you know we think are, are good plays for the night or, or for the week in golf. Yeah. Um, but kind of moving into uh, football, Nate. Obviously, kind of a an odd time to be talking football, but uh, there's a new league. There is the what is it the fan controlled football league. The fan controlled football league is live and they're finished up week one uh, yesterday and uh, Mr. Johnny Football, <laughs> former Heisman Trophy winner, is playing in his fourth league since leaving Texas A&M and now is the starting quarterback for the Zappers, Bob <laughs> Menery's team. Who would have thought Bob Menery's team would be called the fucking Zappers? <laughs> It's man, it's kind of a tough look on Menzel here. I almost said Man's ears, um, <laughs> uh, Menzel. I mean, obviously four leagues. Like the CFL thing was kind of like tough in itself, and then this this league is a fucking travesty. <laughs> like it is. I was watching it last night. Did you see? Um, I think they do the extra point plays. They just grab it off the stool. Did you yeah, see this? Yeah, yeah. They grab the ball off a stool and then do like a one v. There's a one v one between the receiver and the defender. And, and I think that's the extra point because there's nothing to kick. Yep. Right? There's no uprights. And, dude, it looks like I, – I, I don't know what's going on here. But I think the, the idea of them being able to have the fans kind of get into it and call the plays is a really cool idea. But you also got to figure there's going to be some straight-up sabotage here because I wonder if there's – is there a way that the opposing team can – like people who are rooting – you know what I mean? If you, if you place a bet on this – and then you're like, all right, let's go get a bunch of people on Reddit, like yep. the stock thing. And yeah. like, let's screw this team over and win a bunch of money. Yeah. Essentially, like, you could gather online and say, yeah. all right, well, we are going to band together, and this team is going to win every game. <laughs> exactly. And so on on offense, they're only going to run the ball. We're going to vote for that. We're going to vote for a run on every single play. And then on offense, we'll run a diversified offense when, when our team gets out there, <laughs> throwing the ball, running the ball, and, and – uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a cool idea. Obviously, yeah, it's going to be tough to protect from large populations of people banding together and, and really making their mark on on the plays and, and the games. But a cool idea, I guess. It's something not something I'm going to get into. I think uh, you know my interests are busy enough with the sports that I <laughs> legitimate sports. Yeah, with the, <laughs> with the legi- legitimate professional sports leagues that we follow. But uh, but certainly funny that uh, Johnny Manziel. I think he was smoking a dirt in the post game interview. Was man, I could have fucking from all I've seen, it could have been pregame. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is nuts. Like, oh man, how big is the field too? It looks really, really tiny. It's fifty yards. Yeah, it's like played oh. in a rink. It's super thin, like narrow too. Yeah. It's, I don't know, man. Like, what what do you think's gonna? Do you think it's gonna take off? Or? I I don't. No, I mean, even what was it? The XFL. I mean, yeah. if that failed, like, what is what is? How long before people really lose interest? You know what I mean? It's like, all right, this is cool. We can. We can call the plays ourselves and stuff for the most part from the fans' perspective. But, like, at what point does it just get kind of stale and you're like, all right, like, let's watch some actual football? I think this is such a good opportunity, too, for the CFL to, like, monitor. Like, man, people try to start leagues and they fail. 
why don't we improve our league that's surviving and mm-hmm. really take advantage of these hungry football fans that want football year round? We play in part of the season where the NFL doesn't yeah. doesn't dominate, and we could really grow our users. But now we're going to continue to have twenty yard end zones, uprights at the front of the <laughs> front of the end zone, three downs, and a ball the size of a oh, the thing is the size of a full-grown pig it's massive (laughs) you ever try to grip one of those things and it's like i can't do it i have smaller hands you could probably get around it fine massive hands on this guy well i've played about five seasons of football (laughs) using the ball so yeah yeah Yeah, i guess you get pretty used to it but still like an nfl ball is so much better yeah like just for even if you go and just play some catch with a couple of buddies like if someone brings out a CFL ball, say you're at the beach, someone brings out a CFL ball, you're like, dude, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> yeah, especially like right out of the wrapper. It's like, are you? It's like hard <laughs> as a rock. Yeah. It's massive. Like, yeah, okay, I've got the big, big hands, but I still find them tough to, tough to grip and, and throw. Like, anyway, why the do they NFL, keep the end zone at the front? Like, what is the story there? The uprights at the front? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Is it like why? It is like I think we spoke about it off air a little bit, but CTE Central. Looking back, trying to make a catch, clunk. Yeah. Like, it's at the front. <laughs> Throwing a post route from the 20-yard line, doink. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is going on? It just makes zero. The logic behind some of the things that go on in the CFL makes zero sense. And I really think it's, it's a detriment to, to the growth of the game. Um, the, I always thought it would be a good idea for them to just kind of make it a, like, kind of like an AHL in hockey to what the NHL is. You know what I mean? If they had, like, kind of a feeder league. Because there is no feeder league to the nfl am i correct it's just the ncaa yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the young kids and so say you get cut from a nfl team where do you go you, there's nowhere to go you just that's have to train and and yeah that's crazy um so yeah i mean i i think it's totally something on the board of governors or someone in the canadian football league should, should really take a step back and say what if we played like the nfl what would that what would our league look like yeah i mean you, you have a diehard fan base, but do you think a lot of them are really into the whole, like, the rule system of the CFL? I mean, I, I don't I don't think that's the... I think it's more of, like, a geographical pride thing, you know, in terms of, like, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, like, the Saskatchewan... A huge fan base. Massive fan base and, like, tons of pride. And then, I mean, BC plays in Vancouver and, and, and uh, Edmonton and Calgary. Like, I don't think that those fans would be, you know, overly upset with the change. I could... I don't... I don't talk CFL much with with peers or even just you know at all in general. So I don't know, but I mean that's something that I would I would want to get more information on and more yeah, analytics to see if too. they change. But, because uh, I mean there is a, like a diehard fan base. If you go through Saskatchewan, ev- pretty much every other license plate you see is a Rough Riders. Yeah, like they are diehards, and I don't know, it's it's something, and maybe someday they'll change it. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, Tom Brady was absolutely buckled celebrating <laughs> celebrating the Super Bowl. Um, they did the everybody drives a boat down the I don't even know what that little causeway was, but in Tampa, Florida, and, the Super Spreader Causeway. Yeah, is that what it's called? No. Oh, it's just COVID talk. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, Imagine uh, I know the fucking. It's yeah. like oh yeah, it stre- yeah. stems into the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they were hammered. Absolutely buckled. Tossing trophies to boat to boat. Thankfully so. Yeah, I mean, not really not giving a fuck. And, and uh, obviously, Florida has kind of been uh, the pioneer of COVID. We're just, going, we're just yeah, not only COVID, but we're just going to go about life as there is no COVID. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, it was fun to see Tom Brady having fun. And Gronkowski, I think that guy danced for like eight straight hours. Yeah, it's got to take take a little bit out of you, eh? I, oh, I bet I dance for like 30 seconds and I'm like, good. He's a beast. Yeah. And I saw a lot of uproar online of people like, Tom Brady's he's driving a $2 million boat. It's like... Well, what do you expect him to be driving? <laughs> That's like, is he supposed to go get one on fucking Kijiji? Yeah. Like, and here's Tom Brady coming down his fishing zodiac. Yeah, yeah. It's like, rumor has it, he's going to cut early trying to get a nice largemouth bass. Like, yeah, he's going to cut. Like, yeah. I mean, the guy is worth, like, his wife has made more money than he has during his career. It's fucked. So, I mean, like, the amount of money between those two, I mean. Yeah, it's like, let's get a couple of boats. Yeah, they are more than willing and, and, and have the right. Imagine if he pulled up in a shitbox. He would get the shit ripped out of him by everybody on the team. Be like, Tom, you yeah. got this? Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't a $40 million yacht. Yeah, no, why no. not? I know. Anyway, I was, I was, I was just kind of uh, a little taken off that people were surprised that uh, Tom Brady was, was in a $2 million boat because uh, take a look at Giselle's. Uh, earnings and take a look at Tom Brady's career earnings and then tell me if you're a little surprised. How much has she made? Uh, she uh, In her prime, she was making over $40 million a year. Dear John. The, you know, the, the highest paid supermodel on yeah. planet Earth. So, I mean, wow. I don't know if that's the definition of a power couple. but We'll get into that later. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, uh, and just kind of concluding the NFL talk, J.J. Watt has been released. Obviously, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He'll be, he'll be free to join uh, any team in the NFL, and, and my prediction, I think, and and this is actually from my good good friend Robert Adams, who has started the podcast. Go check it out. Uh, JJ Watt has uh, has a brother in the league, TJ Watt. You know, probably one of the best defensive players in the On league. The Steelers, and, right? And the place for the Steelers. So mm-hmm. I could see those two linking up, and having the brothers in the D line there in Pittsburgh. What they? Why did they let him? Did he just he wanted to leave? Yeah, you know, he's probably got a year or two left, and, and mm-hmm. it's a bit of a dumpster fire there. Yeah. Um. So he wants to win. Wants to win. Um. Yeah, Nate, moving into the NHL, it was a, it was kind of quite a hectic week. Um, you know, a lot of games postponed uh, due to COVID. Yep. Um, you know, it's really kind of taken over the NHL schedule. It'll be interesting to see if they get in the full 56 games or if they go in uh, to the playoffs uh, on win percentage. If, if they don't get the full season in, like, like say some of the American teams have end up playing, we'll say, 40 games. Yep. And then the Canadian division, I can't imagine they're going to miss any. Like, what an advantage that's going to be heading into the postseason. Yeah. 16 games less than, like, Canada just kind of beat getting beat up and then these teams still making it with 40 games like you're that's almost an entire playoff schedule less of games going into playoffs yeah absolutely and I mean it's quite um quite hard on the on the bodies and and uh you know the schedule's quite hectic and um quite demanding in the in the um in the Canadian division so yeah if they end up playing the full season and and other divisions don't I could see that being an advantage yeah um but Patrick Liney we talked about the trade last episode he was sat um, for the entire third period, played like four minutes in the second period uh, in Columbus for kind of calling out an assistant coach. The assistant coach grabbed the iPad after one of his shifts and Linus pretty much said, buddy, do you know who I am? And uh, <laughs> Tortorella sat him and, and uh, has been played the most minutes since and has looked really good, Nate. Yeah, he's been buzzing. He has, I think, four goals, one assist in five games or so since he's been there. And I mean, last night even, he had an absolute nip and he's fighting. I mean, he kind of got knocked out, but I mean, he's still... If man Tortorella, if Tortorella gets this guy going, it's gonna be, it's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, like this guy scores forty when he's like apparently not really trying in Winnipeg, you know. And Jack Roslevic too, the other guy in the trade has been he's been tearing it up as well. He's just first line center now. Both playing on yeah. the first line, and um, 
He's yeah. a first-round pick. Yeah, I like, mean. He's no joke. And Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't even play yesterday versus Senators and mm-hmm. hasn't really looked fantastic. I mean, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, a 14-day quarantine yeah. challenging to come out of. But For sure. No, I mean, Patrick Laine has been playing really well. Man, his, his shot is so deadly. It feels like every one of his oh. goals is barred out. Uh, it's ridiculous, it, eh? Like, it, his snapper oh. is just so gross to watch. Like, I, I love it. Yeah. He's one of my favorite players to watch just because I just love watching him shoot. But he's got to be right up there with Ovechkin shooting wise like maybe i want to say almost better like his his snapper may be better i'm not sure about his slap shot like one timer but i mean the guy can absolutely drill the puck and like he can score he's gonna score 30 every year plain and simple but yeah obviously a great player and and uh i think you know columbus has really has really shown that uh, that trade is is looking uh great for them but for sure. uh but need another trade in the nhl ryan dezingle headed back to ottawa uh for cedric paquette and uh and alex galchenyak yeah i mean we'll see how that works out i mean dezingle his the last time he played in Ottawa there when he got traded that I think they flipped him for a first round pick he was having such a good season um to Carolina uh no they flipped him to Columbus okay. this was the year when Columbus was going all in and going crazy and, okay like they got uh they got Dezingle they picked up Duchesne they yep. picked up everybody yeah and so I think they ended up getting a first round pick out of him and his contract expires at the end of this year so I mean theoretically you can flip him again get another pick if, yep. if nothing's working out and if it is then you could still do the same thing and get a higher mm-hmm. pick I mean but he has success there, and I think – I mean, it's hard to see. Uh, Paquette could work out really well in Carolina. He he, he was good in Tampa Bay, and we'll see what uh, Galchenyuk does. I mean, he's – for the most part, I'd say he's just about finished up, eh? Like, yeah, I, six teams for the guy. I can't see him – you know, continuing going team to team. I mean, there's going to come a time when people are just like, wow, he's what, just not a fit anywhere. In our like, what do we do with this guy? You yeah. Know what I mean, like, and got a great shot. He's got decent skill, but he yeah. just, he just, he's just not a well-rounded player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, Cedric Paquette, uh, I thought he was going to be a, a more impactful player in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, didn't really find his feet and didn't really find his spot on a team. And I think it's a good move, man. Like, I mean, in terms of Ottawa, like they are clogged, uh, yep. with players, uh, in their in their uh, in their forward section, it's so. a trade that works out good for them, as we spoke of before. It's, a, it's the two for one, yep. one for two, whatever, whichever way you want to look at it. But yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Dezingle, obviously tough cup last couple of years. I think he was getting healthy scratched by Carolina most of last season as well. So we'll see how it pans out. But if he can get back to his old Ottawa ways, I mean, they're going to win that trade, no doubt, from what they got from Galchenyuk and Paquette. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think he could probably play a role that they're in more of a demand for, play mm-hmm. with those young, skilled guys. Yep. Um, you know, I think Derek Stepan, I mean, not that we want to drill every, you know, Ottawa, but, I mean, he hasn't really shown up and hasn't really proved to be the player that he's yeah. um, used to be. Used to he's be. And six-time 50-point guy yeah. back in the day, captain of the Rangers. But, yeah, I mean, he's getting older, and he could fit in good, maybe a third, fourth line, sure. But, I mean, yeah, he's not he's not going to put up those numbers anymore. No, it's I agree. Simple as that. Um. So, Nate, I, I guess, you know, to kind of continue the hockey talk, I wanted to preview uh, the Norris Trophy and look into the yep. defensemen around the NHL and, and just kind of, uh, you know, get a gauge of, you know, who you're liking, uh, you know, as top defensemen around the league. And I think these guys, you know, maybe not get enough spotlight. And, and uh, you know, who do you think's off to a good start and, and could be in that top three, top five defensemen uh, later on in the year? Well, to no one's surprise, Victor Hedman again. I mean, he's, I think, second in defensive point scoring. He's just kind of ticking away, doing his thing. You don't really hear too much about him. I mean, Jeff Petrie's getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention in Montreal. I I don't think he could really win the Norris, but I mean, crazier things have happened. 
i.e. John Carlson not winning it last year. <laughs> but a um, little bias there. Still pissed. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? you think Petrie can – you think Petrie's going to be able to pull that out or do you think that's pretty unsustainable for him to get to the whole year and still be mm-hmm. a front runner? Well, not – like, I don't even think Jeff Petrie's the best defenseman on his team, let alone in the league. I, so, I agree with that statement. Um, like, I just don't even think he's going to be even close to the to the Norris talk once the season's all said and done. I think he obviously had a great first couple weeks, filled the net, he's got six goals. You know, I don't think that continues, and, and it hasn't really in the last three, four games. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm going to continue my bias. Obviously, I totally agree with Victor Hedman. He's the best defenseman in the NHL. You give him the Norris Trophy every year. But it's just, yep. in sports, we've re- realized that that just doesn't happen. They don't just give yeah. the award to the guy for 10 straight years because he's the ten- he's the best defenseman for 10 straight years. It's just not how it, it works in the It kind of used to happen. Yeah, for sure. Back in the day. I yep. mean, Lindstrom won countless bobby Orr did as yeah. well yeah dominic hasek won like 17 vesnas yeah it's obviously a stretch but i think he had it five yeah so but i mean yeah they've, they kind of like to diversify the awards nowadays yeah. and, and get different markets involved and give different players around the league spotlight and make sense and, and grow the brands kind of league-wide but i think charlie mcavoy is a guy who's is really going to make a push i mean obviously he's not the highest point getter he's got like 11 points which i think is really solid it's i mean pretty close though I yeah mean, he's what four off like. yeah but I think he's more along the lines of his defensive game. Like, he's, he's just such a shutdown guy. He plays, you know, 24, 25 minutes a game. He's just always jumping up in the rush, creating chances, and also is just such a shutdown guy on the offensive end. Has that grit, that bite to his game. Like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, doesn't mind hitting and, and uh, you know, kind of greasing it up. So, I really like Charlie McAvoy. Obviously, I, I watch a lot of Boston, and I think he's, you know, one of the best players on the ice when he's out there. He's an unbelievable skater, but that'll be for the league to decide. And I don't think people should be surprised at the end of the season if he's in the top three of voting. Was was he your preseason pick for the Norris? No, I think it, I think it was Hedman. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, yeah, I mean it's a safe lock. Yeah, like if you're gonna yeah. throw money on it, put it on Hedman. I mean, I went a little off the board. I took Zach Wierenski. That one's uh, that one's not looking too good. Yeah, he had an assist last night. (laughs) Did he get an assist? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think that's his first one. Legitimately, I think he has two points. He's kind of struggled out the gate. So, I I mean, I don't think he's going to win it, but he's still one of my favorite defensemen to watch. Um, What about Quinn Hughes? Yeah, Quinn Hughes has been interesting. Obviously, he's got 18 points. He's leading defenseman in scoring. But, I mean, he... He can. He obviously has the ups, defensive upside. You know, one of the best defensive ceilings, defensive ceilings for points in yeah. the league. Um, but his defensive game is terrible. Yeah, that's the thing. And then when it comes down to this award, it seems like it's kind of different each year. Sometimes it's. I mean, Eric Carlson's one of the few times he's. It's just been pretty much who who's the best forward on defense kind of thing. And then other years it comes down to this guy's an all round stud on defense. Yeah. And I yeah I don't think Quinn Hughes brings that that element of defending that you would really expect out of a Norris winner. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's got he's young. He's got plenty of years to to work on it and get there. And I mean, if he if he solidifies it, I think in a few years he could he definitely could be in the running. Oh, I think that's safe bet to say yeah. that, that uh Quinn Hughes will win a Norris before it's all said. Yeah, you'd have to reckon. Um yeah, and his third year in the league and leading defenseman yeah. scoring and yeah. he's been playing it playing in a tough division and on a tough on a team that hasn't really seen much success. I mean, like outside of playing Ottawa, they're a terrible team um well they're without a doubt like just from the eye test watching them they're they're the second worst team in that division yeah by a landslide yeah so um and i think montreal as well too like without their games against ottawa they're like they're 
500. So okay, I mean they're even kind of they're 500 against Ottawa as well. No, are they? Yeah, I thought so. well, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so I can't remember. I can't keep track now. Everyone plays so much. Yeah, exactly. That stat might be a little off, but I mean, just in terms of people, I think we're really jumping ahead of the, uh, the uh, you know, jumping ahead of the gun. Yeah, that works. Um, on Montreal. On Montreal. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, they got out to the hot start. It's a classic hot start. Yep. You'll see how what ends up. They're kind of they're a little bit struggling. I mean, they're not scoring five goals a game anymore. Yeah, which is. That Josh I mean, Anderson man can play though. Oh, fuck, he can dude, play. Yeah, what, what a, a rinsing what a, of a trade. Oh, ridiculous, yeah. dude. Like you got to figure too, Max Domi. I feel he's had a lot of trouble with coaches over the years. Yeah, it's got to be a little something there, and we'll see how him and Tortorella end up gelling. But yeah, I mean, Josh <laughs> Anderson, so much better than Max Domi. Oh, ridiculous. And and the crazy thing is too, when he got traded there, it goes right into they signed him pretty much instantly. Yeah. And everyone was like, well, I mean, geez, we haven't even seen the guy. Yeah. I mean. Well, if you get this out of him every single year, you, I mean, you've already pretty much won the trade. Yeah, he's he's just so fast for his size, creates a lot of offense uh, with his skating and his physicality, and and he's just, yeah, he's he's an awesome player. He's very similar to the Tom Wilson. Kind yeah, he of. is. Yeah, I mean, those two are are probably the two best power forwards in the league. You'd yeah, have to reckon. Yeah, um, I'd agree I mean, with that. You'd have some tier two guys in that talk, but uh, but I think in terms of like just the size, sheer size, speed physicality and ability to to score and generate chances like those two are at the top of my list yeah um but just a few things to 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 note in the mlb um the dodgers signed trevor bauer and they also brought back their third baseman josh turner um do you remember turner in the world series oh yeah uh got caught for covid and then came flying onto (laughs) the field yeah um but uh but yeah the dodgers uh paid trevor bauer 40 million dollars a year which is more than three teams yeah, it's higher salary. Was it Baltimore? What were we were looking at earlier is Baltimore, um, Pittsburgh, and another team. I can't quite remember, but I mean, and then what? Cleveland. Mi- Cleveland. Yeah, yep. that's right. And then um, Miami. I mean, Miami pays their entire roster seven million dollars more than just Trevor Bauer this year coming up. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the MLB, there's no salary cap, and and it's tough to argue that. There should be because a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, who have an entire salary of fifty million, played in the World Series last year. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it, what an eye-opening stat that is! Is that Trevor Bauer is making more than a full team? Like, I mean, and they are just rock solid, top to bottom. Like the Dodgers, it's going to be hard to imagine them not going winning. back to back. I mean, you got Mookie Betts, you got Bauer, you got. Who else? Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Price. Um, David Josh Price. Turner. Um, yeah, I mean, baseball is not my you know, top of the line forte, but um, they're certainly stacked, and and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to monitor. I mean, it's going to be fun as the MLB starts to ramp up. We're certainly going to be talking MLB talk uh, on the pod. So uh, so yeah, I mean, the off season should start to ramp up. It was quiet yep. at the beginning. Um, but the Blue Jays, I think the Blue Jays are going to be a topic of discussion quite often on the podcast, and and they've made you know some good strides. I mean, you hope to think that Vlad comes in at a, you know at a, at a low weight and can hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got um, Bo Bichette, who uh, who you know is going to make the starting uh, shortstop. Yeah. Um, kind of hopefully elevate his play there. They're just going to keep getting better. Yeah, they got George Springer as well from the Houston Astros yep. uh, to play center field. And I think really the only thing they're missing is they bolstered their, their bullpen, but the only thing they're missing is, is really is an good. ace pitcher, number yeah. one. Good, solid one. Yeah. It's too bad they couldn't have got Bauer. Yeah, oh, for but, sure. I mean, that's that's a tough one to grab. I, I feel like there's a lot of guys probably wouldn't even want to come to Canada, eh? Yeah, I, I, 
in free agency, that's always the kind of like the highlighting thing in, in, outside of, of hockey and when you're talking baseball and basketball for the Raptors and Blue Jays. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's only one team. Exactly. So. And, uh, yeah, it's not – I mean, climate-wise and just – yeah. And just even it's it's the only market that is in this country. I mean, even culturally, we're 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 different yeah. than, than the United States. So it is a big move. But I mean, I mean, you've got an entire country behind you, and yep. you know, growing fandom for you. So I think it's a it, it'd be an attractive market for me. But that's coming from a guy who lives in rural Nova Scotia. Yeah, I mean, if you're a guy from the states too, it's just like, okay, do I want to? You you're good enough. You have your choice. Are you going to take Toronto or are you going to take Los Angeles? Yeah, like, well, and let alone a guy from the Dominican. Yeah, um, yeah, know, it's like Jesus. Like, yeah. I don't even know if I can survive up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but Nate, I think uh, we're gonna move into our, our segment of the day, and it is Valentine's Day. Um, and I think we're gonna go with with uh, with our top five sports couples of all time. We'll kind of go back and forth, counting down from our fifth. Uh, I don't want to say favorite, but just kind of you know most well known, most most highlighted. Um, you know, I guess maybe you know just. Most A-list. Well, ones stick out to us. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start off with my number five. Uh, I'm going to go with Nomar Garcia-Para and Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm, obviously, a legend in, in women's soccer for the United States. And Nomar Garcia-Para, a legend for the Boston Red Sox, was known for just un, <laughs> undoing and redoing up his baseball gloves about 30 times <laughs> in between each pitch. You just but, get in the head of the pitcher. Yeah, it was quite the uh, quite the routine. Uh, my for my number five is uh, PK Subban and Lindsey Vaughn or Lindsey Vaughn and blank because I believe yeah. they've I mean it was pretty it seemed like it was just everywhere in the news for a while like before yeah. they broke up too it's just like PK's doing this and this is happening and Lindsey Vaughn and they're getting married or something and they, you know it's just it's just all up in there all yeah, the time but. PK's like really good at building his brand and like heavily invest into social media and obviously him and Lindsey Vaughn were in that spotlight and even when Lindsey Vaughn was dating Tiger. Uh, she was always in the in the spotlight as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, Lindsay and PK were certainly obviously they've broken up since. They certainly uh, have. It's but, all over uh, the news. TMZ was, was definitely a, a cool couple. Uh, my number four is there's no lack of stardom in, in this uh, in this couple. Uh, we're gonna go with the Walt the Walter Payton Award, which is oh. which is um, in the NFL. It it goes to you know the individual who's who's you know made the most impact in society, and it's gone to Russell Wilson this year. But Russell Wilson, Sierra, Sierra, obviously a A-list Ooh. celebrity singer, and uh, and Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. So those two are coming into my number four. She still put out tunes. I don't think she has. She in a was long time. she was a big deal in the early two thousands. Like, yeah, I remember just banging Sierra all yeah. the time. Yeah, but she uh, dated Future for a while. Had a kid with she? Future. Really? Yep. And okay. now, uh, now dating Russell Wilson. So she's uh, she's been in the spotlight with some serious uh, <laughs> superstardom, no doubt. Uh, my number four is Alex Morgan, and I don't really know her husband, but I see so much on Instagram. I think his last name's Caresco or something like that. I believe he's a professional soccer player as well. Yep. But I mean, Alex Morgan is just a staple in U.S. women's sports. Yeah. A legend. Like those. Those U.S. women's national teams for soccer just are juiced. Yeah, they're unbelievable. They, they win almost every year. Yeah, they're fun to watch too. Yep. Um, I think actually there's a friendly coming up uh, next weekend. We're going to talk about it uh, on our episode through the week. But uh, but the U.S. play Canada in, okay. a, in a friendly. So sweet. Um, I'm not sure. Is Christine Sinclair still playing? I'm not sure. I I I always have the hardest time keeping track of those national things. They, it seems like they go away and you don't hear anything about them for a while, and then they just come back, and it's it's hard to keep track for me. What a legend! Oh my God, Christine Sinclair yeah, is yeah. unbelievable. Um, 
But uh, my number three is uh, Julie Ertz and Zach Ertz. We're going to stay in the U.S. soccer realm. Julie Ertz is a professional woman soccer player for the women's national team in, in the United States, and she is married to Philadelphia Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. Um, so those two obviously kind of – they're always in the media, but, I mean, more so when uh, the, when, when the national soccer stage is, is, is glowing. And, and mm-hmm. also the, the when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, uh, Zach Ertz – um, certainly, a, you know, an impactful player in that, and and, and Julie and Zach are, are a highlight uh, dual athlete couple yep. um, in the sports realm. What's your number three? My number three is Carrie Underwood and Mike Fisher. Yeah, I mean, this is just out of a movie, dude. Yeah. You got you're you're living in Nashville. You're the captain of the Predators back when he played, and you're dating the like the biggest thing in country music from Nashville. Yeah, it's just. I mean, she was singing the anthem at the game sometimes when they were in the cup final. Just a wild, wild thing, man. Had the intro to Sunday Night Football. Like, just she's such a yeah, superstar. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. One American Idol. Like, yeah. she just has had like just the dream route to to music stardom and and dating Mike Fisher, the captain. The I mean, what a what a power couple uh, we're it's talking huge. there. Yeah, um, we're moving into our top two. My second powerhouse athlete couple is David Beckham and Victoria Beckham. Also known as Posh Spice, um, the Spice the Girls. Spice Girls. What a series that was growing up. Just loved that movie. I remember I watched it. I mean, had a big thing for Baby Spice. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, Baby a, I, was spice. I was a young kid, but just yeah, she 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 was doing a lot for me back then, and and. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, David Beckham did a lot for him because he ended up wifing one of them. Yeah, he certainly did. The Spice Girls were, but it was the late '90s. It was in sync. The yeah. Spice Girls. Yeah, I think. Stop right now. Thank you. <laughs> Hell yeah. There was, I remember girls used to sing that in like elementary school. Yeah. It was constant. It was like, yeah, it was that exact tune. But they were just a legend back then. And Beckham, obviously, as well. Yeah. But um, that brings me to my number two, which is Justin Verlander and Kate fucking Upton. Yeah, that's. Like, whoa. That's some serious star power there, too. I mean, Kate Upton. Um, I'm not really sure what she's famous for. I mean, just Sports she's, Illustrated magazine. Yeah, and, and she's, she's uh, was she an athlete? No, no, no. She's a, a model. Yeah, yeah. Like so, I mean, yeah. I just, Obviously, her 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 fame is is huge. I just yeah. don't really know how she got it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few people you could wonder. Yeah, about oh, yeah, I mean, for you, sure. The Kardashians, for instance. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's exactly. plenty of stuff. It's just, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, she's she's not an athlete. I, but uh, Verlander, I thought, covered that section. So I was like, you know. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I'm not um, disagreeing on that point. I just no, don't, no, yeah. yeah. No, I was just saying. But, yeah, Upton. I mean, it's it's so wild when you see um, one of the games and you see Verlander there pitching. And then it's just pan. It's an auto pan to the crowd when she's there. It's like, there is Kate Upton. It's like, yeah. wow. Well, I mean, and everyone's like, oh, my like, jaw's no. at the floor. And it's like, <laughs> Billy, wow. get down here. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seventh inning stretch, all right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Kate Upton and and and, uh, and Justin Verlander is certainly a power couple in uh, in society. But uh, my number one, I mean, it's it's tough to argue with this one, but it's Tom Brady and Giselle. We brought, talk, talked to him a little bit about about them in the episode, but I mean, come on, that couple. I mean, Giselle was making more than Tom Brady throughout her career, and I mean, just the number one supermodel was you know kind of led the way at the Brazil Olympics in terms of uh, the opening ceremonies, and she's just. Her, her stardom grows worldwide, and obviously we're talking about the greatest athlete of all time, Tom Brady. Yeah. So. You know. I uh, I saw some tweets and stuff. It was They were saying, you can't be the greatest athlete of all time if your sport's only played in two countries. 
I was like, okay, like, what yeah, a, you can. Yeah, what? <laughs> Why can't you? And first of all, football is played in a lot of the European countries, and it's played in, and obviously it's predominantly, you know, yeah. the United States, but yeah. I mean, it's the biggest sport in the United States, and the United States is one of the more powerhouse countries in the world. There's so. just haters for everything. There's probably a big Cristiano Ronaldo fan or something. Yeah. I don't know, but. Uh, my number one is Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez. I have not looked in to see if they are actually still together. I, I think be- they are. I believe they are. Yeah. But, I mean, you got A-Rod and J-Lo. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is it, – it, and it's not as good as Greg's. Greg's number one is, I agree, the number one. Like, Tom Brady and Giselle is – is it? But I think A Rod and J Lo are a close second. I mean, you got A Rod, the absolute steroid slugger himself. Yep. Um, and then you have J Lo, who was well, she's a singer, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, she's had some good. She's had some good. I mean, Genie in a Bottle. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jenny from the Block. Jenny I mean, from the Block. Uh, she's had a few hits. <laughs> um, and I mean, could go like, back to those days with MTV. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just seeing all those much music. Yeah, much yeah, dude. That yeah. used to be the thing. Exactly. I, yeah. I used to not even enjoy really watching the videos. I just thought it was cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, some good TV shows on those on those channels as well. But I mean, if yeah. you, whenever you can describe a couple in seven letters and and, and both both two <laughs> that's individuals, right. I mean, that's right. It's like you, A Rod J Lo. Yeah, it's exactly. Like the top of J Lo. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm A Rod. It's like yeah. who the fuck am I talking to? <laughs> Holy, shit. you guys in a gang or? Are you, like, yeah. But uh, um, but no, I think that uh, that wraps things up for that segment eight. I mean, yeah, those are serious power couples uh, that uh, that float around in in the sports landscape. A little Valentine's Day fun, a little Valentine's Day fun. So no, we got a big week ahead. Obviously, we are planning on winding down to one episode a week, but uh, we've just had an influx of guests who are eager to get on and, and share their stories and share their knowledge um, in different uh, different uh, I guess realms and and different parts of the landscape of sports. So we've got Kevin Gormley coming on this week. Kevin uh, worked a couple years at uh, Tennis Canada, extremely educated in the sport of tennis. Uh, so we're going to talk Australian Open with her. We're going to break down, um, you know, not only tennis, Tennis Canada, you know, why there's just such an influx of, of uh, professional tennis players from, from Canada and, you know, why, you know, where are they developing these? Why, how are they developing yep. these players? It's going to be super um, interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun. And we're also going to dive uh, deep into to women's sports and, and how – uh, you know, you know what shape this landscape's in, and how you know different organizations are trying to create demand and grow these games uh, for the equality of, of women's sports. So that's going to be super interesting. Yeah, um, really looking forward to that, Nate. But yeah, uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So any any uh, any closing remarks? Uh, no, not really. I just hopefully Patrick Cantlay gets this done, so I win some money in DraftKings, which I am bringing up again. <laughs> yeah, I know it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna watch golf today at Pebble Beach. Hopefully, Jordan Spieth. Uh, closes it out but uh but no we'll uh we'll catch you guys uh next week and uh thanks again for listening and obviously check us out on instagram and tiktok if you haven't until next time see you monday i'm trying to know what the future's hey but it ain't for you to know To myself like the usual Yeah But it ain't for you to know oh. I think it's clear never lose a hope But it ain't for you to know It ain't for you to know To myself like usual I said it But it ain't yeah. for you Sometimes to know Sometimes I gotta be dolo alone just walking around Yeah Young Gerald, young Charlie Brown Some shit is better to keep to yourself than say aloud Some shit you see and they don't so I simply jot it down It was written, had the vision as a youth that I make it here one